Distribution of votes is as follows. All right, what you are hearing in the background is the announcement of the African National Congress Top 6. Cyril Ramaphosa has just been announced as the leader of the ANC. Let's go to Nazarek in Johannesburg now. All right, so after a two-hour delay, they have started releasing the results of the top six of the African National Congress in South Africa. Um, Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa, Deputy President of the country, that is, is now the new president of the ruling party in South Africa. That is the African National Congress. His deputy is David Mabuza. So let's continue. Let's go back to hear some more of those results. And 14, one for abstentions. And the distribution of votes is as follows. Comrade Gwede Mantasha at 2418 votes. And Comrade Nati Mtetwa at 2269. The new national chairperson is Comrade Gwede Mantashe. Could the comrades please come to the fore?
All right, with the singing and cheers there in the background, coming to you live from Nazrak in Johannesburg. Uh, Gwede Mandashe has just been announced as the new national chairperson of the African National Congress. Um, what was also announced earlier is that David Mabuza is the new deputy president of the, Na- of the African National Congress. That is South Africa's ruling party um, with the deputy president of the country, Cyril Ramaphosa, who was in the position of Deputy President of the African National Congress as well. Now moving to the top position, beating Dr. Ngosazana Dlamini Zuma to that position of President of the African National Congress. Now this has been a um, a hard-fought battle between the two, um, as it was announced earlier in the year that Dr. Ngosazana Dlamini Zuma would be running for this particular position, and then later um, Cyril Ramaphosa announced um, that he would also be um, uh, would be up for nomination. Uh, voting did start at about half past midnight this morning. Um, it continued with Gauteng eventually becoming the last one to vote in the um, later hours of the morning. Then um, after that, vote counting uh, started. It's been pretty much a quick process. Everything happening in a space of less than 24 hours. Um, voting starting at about half past midnight and now at about 19.05 as the results are slowly coming in being released there was a two-hour delay because they had said that they were going to release them um by close of business today but they were not um released at that particular time it, it wasn't quite clear there was some speculation why there were reasons that uh, votes um uh, that votes uh or votes were being delayed and the release of those votes were being delayed there are also some visuals from um other parts of Johannesburg as people are hearing at petrol stations, people are hearing on the side of the road um, as the results are trickling in and you are seeing supporters of Deputy President South Africa's Deputy President celebrating there that um, he will now be the leader of South Africa's ruling party. Let's go back to Nesrek. The next position Secretary General Exports ballots totaling four votes and eight abstentions. And the votes are as follows. Comrade Ace Mahashule at two, three, six, zero votes. Comrade Senzo Mkunu, two, three, three, six votes. All right, so um, as we just heard, the new uh, Secretary General of the African National Congress is the top six of the party is being announced is Senzo Mtuno. Now, Senzo Mtuno was um, the Premier of KwaZulu-Natal. He was removed in a disputed election. The court said that election must be annulled. Um, and on Friday, we heard that the camp that had moved in, that, had, uh, that was declared winners of that election, could not vote in this um, particular election. 
Um, and again, a lot of people were saying that camp would have voted for um, Dr. Nkosa Zanadlamini Zuma, but um, they were told that they cannot, the court said, well, they now need to start vacating offices um, in KZN, even though they have been given permission to appeal the, the court decision. But um, they were given permission to do that, but they couldn't vote here. They were just bystanders. Um, so far, it seems to be a clean uh, sweep for the Cyril Ramaphosa slate, as um, it seems like the Dr. Nkosa Zanadlamini camp, Zamini uh, Zuma camp, is not really um, winning any seats at this particular moment. Um, and as they are getting themselves ready, um, we heard earlier, in case you are just joining us, that the new leader, the new president of South Africa's ruling party, the African National Congress, um, is now Cyril Ramaphosa. Um, and Cyril Ramaphosa is the current deputy president um, of the African National Congress. Um, and um, the Gwede Mandashe um, has also made it to that top six. He is coming from the previous top six as well. He is the national chairperson of the African National Congress uh, with David Mabuza being uh, the deputy president of the African National Congress which is the ruling party um, in South Africa there. Um, we just heard as well that Senzo Mkhunu is now we just heard as well that uh, Isma Khashule rather is the new president of the uh, rather not the president uh, Isma Khashule is now the new secretary general of the African National Congress. Apologies there. Um, let us go back to Nasrak. Our next position is the position of deputy secretary general. Again, we received four spoiled ballots with 17, one seven abstentions. And the distribution of votes is as follows. Comrade Jesse Duarte, two, four, seven, four votes. And Comrade Zingi Swalosi, two, two, three, one, three. Two, two, one, three. Duarte retains her position. All right, so um, those are, um, that is live sound coming to you there from NASRAC. Um, Jesse Duarte is returning as Deputy Secretary General of the African National Congress there. Um, And as you heard, um, Secretary General is Ace Makashule, who is the current Premier of the Free State Province. And the results are currently being announced from Nesrek there in South Africa. Um, so we are continuing to give you live sound coming to you um, from Nesrek in Johannesburg as the top six of the African National Congress is being announced. Just um, a quick recap for you there. Um, the president of the African National Congress is Cyril Ramaphosa. Um, his deputy is going to be David Mabuza. Um, 
um, and the national chairperson um, will be Gwede Mandashe. The secretary general is Ace Mahashule. Jesse Duarte retains her position as the deputy secretary general of the African National Congress. That's how it's going at the moment um, in NASRAC, the elective conference of the African National Congress. Um, remember that the National Executive Committee still needs to be chosen. They are going to be chosen later in the week um, and um, after this top six has been announced and um, it, it's pretty much been a full day for those that are in NASRAC at the moment as voting for them started at half past midnight. So um, at first um, voting was going to be later, then it was um, immediately announced that voting would be resuming at about um, midnight or so. It started just after midnight um, and um, it's been a continuing process from the voting to the vote counting to now the announcement. Um, Jesse Duarte there is about to take her seat as she retains her position. Remember that um, the previous top six was just dismantled um, a couple of minutes before um, this new top six uh, was announced. Um, Jesse Duarte left with the previous top six. She now goes back a few minutes later to retake a position um, in that same position again that she previously held under um, under President Jacob Zuma as president of the ANC. Let's go back. The very last position for Treasurer General, we received six spoiled ballots and seven abstentions, and the distribution of votes is as follows. Comrade Paul Mashatile at 2517 votes, and Comrade Maite Mkwanamashabane at 2178 votes. Comrade Paul Mashatile is the new Treasurer General. Um, that is Paul Mashatile going um, to the stage to take his seat there as the new Treasurer General um, of the African National Congress. There, He is going to be the man that everybody will be asking um, when they want to know about the finances of the African National Congress. Um, Paul Mashatile is walking up to the stage at the moment and we are seeing him shaking hands with other members of the African National Congress and a hug there uh, with new president of the African National Congress, um, Cyril Ramaphosa, um, and hugs with the rest of the top six. It has pretty much been a divisive ANC for the, or a divided rather, ANC for the last year, and everybody has been talking about whoever takes over um, needs to uh, pro- probably try to unite the organization, the movement, um, as it has been quite divided with some people. Um, I, I, 
publicly declaring their love for um, the candidates that they were supporting um, leading up to this. Even this morning, we did see some senior members of the African National Congress saying who they were supporting, who they were voting for. Um, you would remember that this morning, Azizi Koto, for example, uh, tweeted that he voted for Cyril Ramaphosa. We also heard um, Figile Mbalula, who is the current police minister, saying that he had voted for Dr. Nkosazana Lamini Zuma. Um, and it seems like in the top six, there are people who belonged to both slates of the political part uh, of, uh, of, uh, of the people that they have been voted in. Um, Ace Mahashule, for example, belonged to the Nkosazana Lamini um, Zuma camp. And then there are others who also belonged to um, the camp that is the Cyril Ramaphosa camp. So that is your top six of the African National Congress. And just to recap there for you just um, a little bit. Um, the president of the African National Congress is Cyril Ramaphosa. The deputy president of the party is David Mabuza. The national chairperson is Gwede Mandashe. Um, the secretary general is Ace Mahashule. The uh, Deputy Secretary General is Jesse Duarte and Paul Mashadile comes in there as a Treasurer General. That is your top six of the African National Congress. Let's take a quick break and we will come back after this. The African National Congress, Cyril Ramaphosa, both young and old, have come to celebrate and they say that the son of Shawelo has risen today and they say they're putting all their beliefs in Cyril Ramaphosa. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605 1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. All right, um, let's go to SABC reporter Criselda Lewis now, who is talking to Ramaphosa's friends and family and their reactions as he is now the new president of Africa's oldest liberation movement, the African National Congress. And he was always close to those who are needy. And I remember very well at a very, very tender age, when he was still studying, he would come at the cottage where I used to stay. There were four boys who would come there and study, and I used to cook for them, and they would eat, and we, we loved them. There were four boys who were very intelligent. Mama, did Cyril Ramaphosa show leadership traits at a very young age? What did you notice in him? We know he's held several positions within government and, uh, you know, now he's at the helm of the governing party in this country. Yes, he did show some leadership skills because he would always like to help the other children. He would always like to support others so that they should also come on board. 
Mama, what would you say to Cyril Ramaphosa? You have known him for the longest time. Your husband also grew him up. Um, what would you say to Cyril Ramaphosa as a member of the ANC, as uh, an ordinary citizen of this country, and of course, they're saying the son of Shawelo has risen. What would you say to him? Uh, Mr. Ramaphosa, I would wish you well. I would wish you all the best in your new endeavor so that you should be able to bring our country back to where it was. Let us go back to the roots and bring this South Africa back again. Thank you very much, Mama. Let's see if we can speak to some young people. I hope we have time for that. All right, that is SABC reporter Criselda Lewis there talking to some of the friends and family of new ANC president Sarah Ramaphosa. And she's trying to get reaction from those that really would know him closely as um, she has gone back to his um, hometown to find out how people feel about him now taking um, the reins at um, the oldest liberation movement in South Africa. Now, the incoming national leadership of the ANC will have to deal with the leadership battle in KwaZulu-Natal. Last Friday, the Pitamaritzburg High Court granted the KwaZulu-Natal Provincial Executive Committee permission to appeal the court decision that nullified the 2015 elective conference. However, the applicants in that case were also granted an execution order, instructing the PEC to vacate the office. Nongulego Shopi reports. The woes of the ANC in Guazunatal appear far from over as the leadership battle is heading to the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein. The current ANC leadership in Guazunatal believes it remains in office as it has appealed the execution order granted by the Bitumarisberg High Court on Friday for the provincial leadership to vacate their positions pending the outcome of the appeal against the ruling that nullified the 2015 conference. Currently, Provincial Chairperson Sitlesi Alala says on Friday, their lawyers filed papers with the Supreme Court of Appeal. He says the provincial leadership only lost their status as voting PEC delegates at the elective conference because they did not want to open loopholes for anyone to challenge the credibility of the national conference. The execution order was given and the PEC through the mandate of the NEC has appealed that. And once you appeal, that judgment is put in abeyance. And we said to save this conference, let's not come here as voting delegates of the PEC. However, Lawrence Dube, speaking for the applicants, says the nullified Guazunatal Provincial Executive Committee needs to vacate the offices. Uh, that is not true. They haven't appealed. The judgment only came out on, 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 on Friday uh, at half past 11. So the question is what time would they, would they have had uh, the opportunity to do so? But then nevertheless, even if they appeal, what is, what is to happen is that uh, they, they still need to get permission from the court to say we are hearing your, your matter on such a day. Up until their matter is being heard, that is when we can talk about, you know, uh, the data for being retained. What we know for now is that we are in a conference, and when we come back on Wednesday, I mean on Thursday, we will definitely pass by the office there and remove them nicely. Because uh, after all, they know very well they are supposed to. I fail to understand why should people want to cling to power like this. They are out of office. 
Elo expects Mbongeleni Mkuno agrees with Dube. He says the ANC mother body needs to appoint an interim structure to run the affairs of the province after the latest court's ruling. The legal position is as follows. The order that was previously granted is automatically suspended up until the appeal is had. In this application, however, which is brought uh, in terms of section 18.3 of the Superior Court Act, it's a provision where an aggrieved party to an application for leave to appeal, when an application for leave to appeal is brought, he says to court that in the event this application is granted, I will suffer prejudice in the meantime. So the purpose of, of subsection 3 is to is, is for situations such as those, because representations have to be made that I stand to be prejudiced if the order is not executable immediately. Then the applicant in, this, in, the, in, the, in the application brought to, to court against the PEC, then brought an application to say if the PEC remains as, as things stand, then we are going to suffer. Uh, in other words, the order must be executed immediately. What then means is that the current PEC, the operation of the current PEC, is then suspended. In other words, there is no PEC uh, immediately with effect, with immediate effect, which means that they must therefore uh, automatically vacate office. The national structure of the ANC may, in that uh, case, have to appoint an interim structure to run the affairs. For now, the main players in the provincial leadership badly are preoccupied with the business of the elective conference. However, there is a clear clash of opinions with the applicants vowing to ensure that the PEC vacates the offices and the PC's firm belief that it is still in the driving seats. I'm Nunkulegotope in Durban. Nineteen twenty-five Central African Time right here on Africa Digest, um, where we give you news from an African perspective. Now the multinational joint task force fighting the Boko Haram insurgency in Cameroon, Chad and Nigeria says it will keep some two hundred former terrorists until Cameroon constructs a rehabilitation center where they will be socially integrated before they can be allowed to return to their communities. The ex terrorists are currently at the barracks of the multinational joint task force in Mora on Cameroon's northern border with Nigeria. Here's Moke Kinzaka. Soldiers of the Mora-based operations camp of the multinational joint task force fighting Boko Haram sing what is now their regular song after a successful operation. They have just returned from the border with 12 fighters whom they say surrendered and handed themselves to the military. Among them is Sule Bupabga, a 22-year-old Nigerian. My village is Sandawajiri, Kete, Dekirawa, and Ukwepe. He says his wish is to return to his village in Sandawajiri, near Kerawa in Nigeria, and that he regrets all the killings even though they were forced to carry them out. He says what he did was not good. I know the question that they kill people is no good.
There are close to 200 former fighters detained in the camp. Some were arrested during fighting and others handed over themselves to the military. Cameroonian ex-fighter, 26-year-old Guma Wamha, says he decided to report himself to the military after he escaped from a Boko Haram training camp in the Nigerian border town of Gamburu, but was barred from entering his village in the Cameroonian town of Kolofata. He says he escaped from a Boko Haram camp with a motorcycle he was given to monitor and report to his former superiors each time a suspected group of people or a strange vehicle was seen approaching. He says he knew that the fighters would trace the path he used and decided to trek to the Cameroonian border town of Kolofata after abandoning the motorcycle in the bush. Guma says those who handed themselves to the military are separated from those who are captured, but that they eat the same food, even though they are free to communicate among each other than those who were captured. Some of the former hostages said they spent two years with Boko Haram and decided to flee and hand over themselves to the military or local self-defense groups. Others said they had fought for Boko Haram and chose to lay down their arms because they realized they were misled. The military says for security reasons they cannot allow the hostages to return to their communities. They are also asking the government of Cameroon to construct a rehabilitation center for the former fighters, saying that some of them need urgent psychological care and may be a burden to their communities if they are allowed to return. Midjiyawa Bakari, governor of Cameroon's far north region, says the government will continue to take care of the ex-fighters. He says they have secured land in the border town of Meme where all former fighters will be assisted to be socially reintegrated. Ils ont même promis plus sur eux qu'ils vont faire revenir tous ceux de leurs frères qui sont encore en brousse. He says the ex-fighters have taken commitments that they will assist the military in bringing back their peers who are still either hiding in the bushes because they are afraid of the military or are still under Boko Haram control. He says about one year now, they have put up strategies to assist all former fighters to return and he is happy that this December, 50 were brought back by the military and 50 others returned on their own. 200 other former Boko Haram fighters are taken care of in the Mozogo local council by the government of Cameroon and UN agencies. Their relatives are not ready to accept them in their villages for fear they may once again be infiltrated by the terrorists. The population says some of them may be spies or have been brainwashed with Boko Haram ideology. Cameroon, Nigeria, Chad and Niger soldiers under the multinational joint task force of the Lake Chad Basin Commission rolled back Boko Haram gains since last year and announced that the terrorist group was leaving its last moments, but the insurgency has switched to terror attacks and remains a potent threat. The conflict, which began in northeast Nigeria eight years ago, has left at least 25,000 people dead and forced more than 2.6 million others to flee their homes, according to the UN. Reporting for Channel Africa, 
This is Moki Kinzika Mora, Northern Cameroon. It is 1931 Central African time right here on Africa Digest on Channel Africa where we continue to give you news from an African perspective. Remember that you can find us on Twitter. We are on Channel Africa 1. It is Channel Africa 1 on Twitter if you are looking for us. Um, in case you missed the announcement earlier of um, the top six of South Africa's uh, ruling party, the African National Congress, um, as Jacob Zuma is no longer the leader of the African National Congress in South South Africa. He does continue um, as the president of the country, though. Um, he has been replaced by Cyril Ramaphosa, who is now the new president of the African National Congress. Uh, David Didi Mabuza is the deputy president of the African National Congress. Gwede Mandashe is in their top six. Ace Mahashule, Jesse Duarte, and Paul Mashadile. That is your top six of uh, Africa's uh, oldest liberation movement that is the African National Congress. Now the United Nations Children's Fund or UNICEF has accused South Sudan's government and fighters loyal to rebel leader Riek Machar of recruiting more than 19,000 children into their armed forces but authorities in Juba and the rebels have denied the accusation and challenged UNICEF to produce evidence to provide that indeed recruitment of children is taking place. James Shimanyola reports. In a special report released in South Sudan's capital, Juba, Tim Irwin, head of the United Nations Children's Fund in South Sudan, says children have borne the full brunt of fighting that is currently raging in Africa's newest nation. The report, titled The Children Under Attack, says as the country enters the fifth year since armed conflict erupted, children and their mothers continue to suffer greatly. Team Irene discloses the shocking figures of children that the armed conflict has rendered homeless in South Sudan. It has displaced more than uh, two million. It has created a million refugee children, more than a million refugee children. Uh, Many children have died, have been maimed. Uh, Many are out of school. It's really had a traumatizing effect, I think, uh, on many, many children in South Sudan. Um, And it has put their futures in jeopardy. And, of course, if the children have no future... Head of UNICEF in South Sudan, Team Irene, says apart from children and their mothers suffering due to the ongoing fighting, schools and health centers have been extensively damaged. Unfortunately, uh, you know, schools have been attacked and destroyed. We think up to around 30% of schools have either been occupied or attacked at some point during this conflict. Many medical uh, and health facilities have been attacked and, uh, and destroyed as a result of the conflict. Food insecurity was also cited in the report by UNICEF head in South Sudan. According to UNICEF, 3 million children are food insecure, with up to a million reported to be malnourished. The report reveals that rebels and the Juba government are responsible for recruiting children into their fighting forces. We have an estimated 19,000 children who remain uh, in the ranks of armed forces and armed groups. We have seen an upsurge in the recruitment of children since the fighting uh, escalated last July and uh, July 2016. Uh, So the numbers of children being recruited is increasing. We have not had any real significant uh, releases of any child soldiers uh, since uh, 2016. 
UNICEF is also concerned that insecurity still persists in South Sudan to the extent that the UN agency is not able to reach children. There are far too many areas of the country where humanitarian organizations such as UNICEF uh, cannot reach, uh, sometimes because there's active fighting there and we, we wouldn't put uh, our lives or the lives of our partners in danger, but often uh, just because uh, of obstacles put up by armed group roadblocks and so on. That was UNICEF representative in South Sudan, Tim Iron. He says UNICEF requires 183 million United States dollars to reach children and women in South Sudan next year. Meanwhile, responding to UNICEF's accusation that the government is recruiting children into its army, military spokesman Brigadier General Lul Ruai Koang said, and I quote, what he told me on a poor telephone line. We don't recruit children. We only recruit adults, end of quote. Efforts to get one of rebel leader Riek Machar's spokesman, General Nyagwal Ajak Deng, by telephone bore no fruit. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula. Kenyan opposition leader Railo Odinga says he will be sworn in as the People's President very soon. Speaking yesterday during the Coast Region People's Assembly inauguration in Kilifi County on the Kenyan coast, Odinga said he will ensure that electoral justice is achieved in Kenya. Diana Wanyonye has this one. Addressing his followers, among them governors and political leaders in Kikambala on the north coast of Mombasa, National Super Alliance leader Raila Odinga said he will ensure that the August 8th general election is the last one in Kenya's electioneering period to encounter electoral malpractices. And the people of Kenya are saying no to what you call electoral injustice. The Kenya of Kenya demand electoral justice. It cannot be that year in year out people Kenya wake up early in the morning and line up kilometers of the queue in the sunshine, in the rains. But ultimately the results are determined by computer at Bomas of Kenya. I say it and I want to say again, 2017 is the last time Kenyans went to the poll and the results will not come. We will progress until we get a little justice. He vowed that nothing will hinder him from taking the oath as people's president even after Kenya's Attorney General Githu Muigai warned that any attempts to swear in Odinga is against the constitution and it will be an act of treason. We will ensure that ultimately the winner is declared the winner. I am going to carry the Bible. <laughs> Nobody will stop me from carrying the Bible. <laughs> to stand up for the truth and die for something than die for nothing. They can postpone, but they cannot stop Bionail from reaching the Mediterranean Sea. Resist! Resist! NASA! NASA! The matter of secession, where a section of political leaders on the Kenyan coast who wants the coastal region to be separated from Kenya and be its own independent state, was not overlooked. The outspoken Mombasa governor Ali Hassan Joho and his counterpart from Kilifi County, Amazon Kingi, who are in the forefront to fight for secession, said that they will not be threatened nor intimidated by anyone in the government to stop the separation matter. This conversation on self-determination shall never be stopped by anyone openly and they tell you that we want to secede it is because there is a problem and those in the helm of leadership have chosen to ignore the voices of the people i keep asking this question how can it be how can it be 
we are going to get even more organized. We are engaging in a very lawful exercise. That is how the coastal persons see secession. All of you give up on secession as coast people will not give up on secession. On his part, NASA leader Raila Odinga urged President Uhuru Kenyatta to stop dismissing the move of the said governors, saying that historical injustices and grievances of the Costarians must be addressed. The other day I told him that if you see grown-up governors, members of parliament, members of county assembly on one region sit down and say we want to secede, it is not a laughing matter. It's a serious matter that cannot be dismissed by peer warning. There you have crossed a red line. As who? That's Uhuru Kenyatta, own Governor Johan, Governor King, yet you have crossed red line. You must address yourself to the issues which the people are raising. Kenya is bigger than all of us. The stage we have reached in this country can only be, be dealt with through concrete, positive dialogue and negotiation. That was Kenya's National Super Alliance leader, Raila Odinga, and I am Diana Wanyonyi in Mombasa. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. It is 1941 Central African time. You're still listening to Africa Digest on a channel Africa. As we continue to give you news from the African perspective, uh, we are on Channel Africa 1 on Twitter or info at channelafrica.co.za on email. Now, HIV and AIDS activists in the United States of America have warned its government to guard against complacency in the fight against HIV globally. Non-governmental organizations say the lack of sufficient funding continues to be a major hurdle. Simpia Makanya compiled this report in New York. New York is the fourth most popular state in the U.S. with over 19 million people. New York City, the state's largest city, was one of the first cities where incidents of HIV and AIDS were reported in the 80s. An AIDS memorial has been built there for victims of the virus. Fast forward to 2017, the area has been hailed for its efforts in fighting the spread of HIV and AIDS. But now the United States administration is likely to cut its contribution to the global fight against HIV and AIDS by about 800 million U.S. dollars in its 2018 budget. The U.S. is reportedly the biggest donor to South Africa's HIV and AIDS programs through the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS, PEPFA, which has been credited for saving millions of lives. AIDS activists in the United States, like Daniel Tietz, believe cutting the funding is likely to reverse the gains made in fighting the epidemic. I think it's very important to push the money down, let the people who are most directly affected, people living with HIV in their communities and their neighbors and their families and their clinicians, uh, let them make funding decisions and we will make progress much faster. South Africa has more than 7 million people living with HIV, most of them in KwaZulu-Natal. The province's health MEC, Dr. Sbongseni Lomo, says the high rate of new infections remains a huge concern. We were anticipating that with time, the international community is going to slowly reduce their contribution to us. 
uh, which annually has been coming in very gradually. So at the time the funding is completely reduced or dried up, we will probably be able to match that with our coffers. There have been calls for improved cooperation between various stakeholders, which could help deal with challenges such as funding. Simpiwe Makanya, New York. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbara Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noël Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. It is now time for your economics. Here is Usain Matabula. The Petroleum and Natural Gas Senior Staff Association of Nigeria, Pangasin, has begun a nationwide strike over the laying off of its workers. The union says uh, office workers and staff working in distribution are among those taking part in industrial action across the country. Pangasin is one of Nigeria's two main oil unions. The labor union spokesperson, Chis Odini. Among the reasons for this action are, one, unfair labor practices by some oil companies leading to termination of the employment of any worker who has indicated willingness willingness to belong to the union, Pengerton. Two, employees in, this, in those companies are treated and compared to this own, the union and are then treated as slave workers within their own country, Nigeria. Another reason, National Pengerton is requesting federal government to intervene and to direct the company to recall after all amicable resolutions have been explored. And efforts by Rwanda's national flag carrier, Rwanda Air, to expand its footprint across West Africa have been boosted after it was granted fifth freedom right by Nigerian aviation authorities. The bilateral airspace service agreement means that Rwanda Air can now operate another route into Nigeria to Abuja and also fly the Abuja-Yaoundé route without any limitations. According to a statement from Nigeria's Federal Ministry of Transportation, Rwanda's national carrier can now fly into Abuja and also pick Yaounde Cameroon-bound passengers without restrictions. Look, I think a lot of the um, the volatility in the currency. We're going to get to that sound, but uh, right now, South Africa's uh, Minister of uh, Small Businesses, Lindy Wezulu, says the department will be announcing a major support program between South Africa and the European Union in regards to SMEs next year. Zulu was speaking at a breakfast briefing at uh, the ruling ANC elective conference in Johannesburg. 
Look, I think a lot of the um, the volatility in the currency uh, over the last session has probably been driven predominantly by the domestic political environment, uh, speculation over who's likely to take the ANC leadership. Um, I know that, for instance, with the EU, we are going to be soon, next year, we'll be making an announcement of quite a sizable um, support that we're getting from the EU, directly going to supporting uh, your small and medium enterprise and entrepreneurship. The U.S. renewable energy industry has expressed relief after company's Republican tax bill released late on Friday preserved key tax credits that has been at risk of being removed. The bill has, however, raised concerns about a provision that may threaten Namibia's investment in the sector. The final tax bill retains the production and investment tax credits. Sitle Zuma has more. It also eliminates the alternative minimum tax, which would have reduced the value of those credits. The bill includes the base erosion anti-abuse tax, which was intended to prevent multinational companies from abusing the tax code, but has worried the renewable energy industry because it would limit their ability to claim a portion of production or investment credits. The conference bill made changes to a more severe Senate proposal by allowing the credits to offset up to 80% of the beat tax, but renewable energy industry representatives said they were uncertain how the market would react. See Hezuma for Channel Africa. The South African rent continues to strengthen against the basket of major currencies as the ruling ANC votes to elect a new leader. Results of the leadership election are expected later in the day. The local unit strengthened around 2.5% against the US dollar. It's trading around 12.98 to the dollar currently and the rent maintained its relative strength although market commentators say there's still some caution as a win for Cyril Ramaphosa is not guaranteed. Senior economist with BNP Paribas, Jeff Schultz, says the currency remains volatile. Look, I think a lot of the um, the volatility in the currency uh, over the last session has probably been driven predominantly by the domestic political environment, uh, speculation over who's likely to take the ANC leadership position, um, you know, later this afternoon. So I think a lot of the sentiment is being buoyed by that. Um, and certainly, you know, we saw the rand open weaker this morning, but then now it's pulled back below 13 to the dollar. And I think a lot of that is is growing optimism that potentially we could see uh, a relatively market-friendly outcome uh, when the ANC leadership uh, of the top six are announced later this afternoon. And the US dollar is trading at the 1306 South African rents, 1012 Botswana Pula and 9.93 Zambian Kwacha, also at uh, 75 pence to the British pound and 85 cents against the euro. Commodities gold $1,255, platinum $892 per fine ounce, Brent crude oil $63.35 per barrel. That's how it's looking. Thank you very much, Wesson. It is now time for your sports news. Here's Musibu de Makura.
Good evening, sports fans, and starting off with Rugby News, SA Rugby CEO Jury Roo has admitted that the player exodus is damaging the local game in South Africa. There are more than 350 South African professional rugby players plying their trade abroad, and the effects can be seen in the national team's performances. Now, the Springboks have won only 11 of 25 test matches over the past two years for a meagre 44% win record. In an interview with Rugby World magazine, Roo acknowledged that the overseas player drain issue is becoming alarming. In the past, players used to head abroad towards the tail end of their careers, but that is no longer the case. In an attempt to tackle the issue, SA Rugby earlier this year formulated a new policy regarding the selection of overseas-based Springboks. According to the new policy, only overseas players with 30 or more test caps can be selected for the Springboks. At least 13 swimmers posted Commonwealth Games qualifying times on the first two days of the KwaZulu-Natal Aquatics Premier Championships at the Kings Park Aquatic Centre in Durban. The South African Sports and Olympic Committee reserves the right to select the final team that will go to the Commonwealth Games in Australia next year. Now, Swimming South Africa CEO Sean Adriansi explains why trials are taking place in conjunction with the KwaZulu-Natal Championships. Now, normally, we have our major competition uh, trials with our national championships, which normally take place in uh, April of each year. It's a unique, unique year in 2018 because uh, Commonwealth Games is in the Southern Hemisphere, which is in Australia. So, you know, we have similar weather patterns. So they, the Commonwealth Games is taking place in April. So for us to make sure that we, you know, give our athletes adequate time to one, make the qualification standard, and two, prepare prepare for the Commonwealth Games. Uh, we opted to have the the Commonwealth trials with the KZN Championships, purely because uh, the the Kings Park Aquatic Stadium is the best facility that we have in the country, close to sea level. I mean, we can't get closer to sea level than this, and uh, it's the ideal venue for our athletes to try and make the qualification standards. At the same time, golden boy Charlie Close celebrated his Commonwealth Games qualification time in the 200-meter freestyle, finishing first when he clocked in at 1 minute 48.28 seconds. Jared Baxter also qualified when he finished in second position in a time of 1 minute 50.79 seconds. Charlie Close was a pleased man. Oh, I'm very happy. I mean, uh, 47.9 would have been great, but uh, done some serious, serious work. And I mean, this year coming into nationals, I was, you know, 10 days, 11 days tapered. Uh, Honestly, I didn't, I didn't even say for two days. You know, I was still doing, uh, you know, five and a half yesterday afternoon and, and five, five and a half in the morning. So, you know, still hitting a 45k plus week, um, and before that, 68k. So, for me, we've done a lot of hard, hard, intense work. You know, a lot of VO2 max threshold tra- type of training to get myself ready. So, uh, pretty happy with the swim. Um, and yeah, obviously, 50 flowers also a lot of fun. Just to, you know, I haven't swum that uh, at nationals for about four years. So it's actually quite exciting. And uh, yeah, looking forward to tomorrow. And I think I've just got the two fly and hundred fly. And, then... and finally, Arsenal legend Terry Henry has hailed uh, Harambe Stars captain Victor Wanyama as the unsung hero of Tottenham Hotspur. Henry says Wanyama's combative style of play and his physicality has seen him fit perfectly in the English Premier League. The 1998 World Cup winner has just concluded a two-day visit of Kenya as the Guinea's made of black ambassador. We arrived to reality here. That's, that's what the Nizi League. And so he arrived there, performing well, 
playing very well. People were talking about him going to some big clubs, then he went to Tottenham. And I think, I mentioned it last season, I think he's the unsung hero. Uh, uh, Victor Wanyama offers, offers something more with that power, the way he drives, he's, he's, the way he loves to defend. And, and last year he started to score some goals also, that's something that was coming on. Unfortunately for him, he couldn't carry that momentum because he got injured, as you, as you mentioned. But you guys should be proud of what he's doing, you know, not... Not for the first time you have a Kenyan guy doing well there. His big brother was was also there doing what he was doing. I remember Oliesh. Well, the Zion Sports News at the Sun. Stay tuned to Channel Africa for more news from an African perspective. This is Africa Digest. It is 1956 African time and listen to Africa Digest on Channel Africa, where we continue to give you news from an African perspective. Um, our top story this evening has been the fact that Cyril Ramaphosa has been elected as the new president of South Africa's ruling party, that is the African National Congress. Thank you very much for listening to the program. For myself, as Pumele Lezondi, producer Lebu Moswewu, technical producer Wiseman Mangwele, and the rest of the Africa Digest. Team, thank you very much for listening. We leave you with Busiswa and many DJs. This one, uh, including another singer, Moonchild. This one is called Midnight Starring.